0: Welcome back to Lindy Line, A High Adventure. We're about to start on episode 8, so if you haven't listened to previous episodes, we're we're a little over halfway through the story, so go back and listen to episodes 1 through 7 and then when you've done that, come back to listen to episode 8, chapter 34, Spying on the Spies. The elves did not take as long as you or I might have to catch up with Tommy Stanhope and Princess Riley as they ran over the South Plains to Wilhay. Private Tommy Stanhope of the city guard and the princess had risen long before dawn had spread her wings and travelled hard themselves from the West Plains. They headed down slightly south to take advantage of the shadows of the forest which lay on the south side of the village of Wilhay. As silently as possible they rode, and as darkness began to lift as a mist, Tommy and Princess Riley saw a small group of people packing up camp in the distance. They dismounted, and in the shortening shadows crept closer. Behind them, the elves watched. Sophia turned and whispered to her colleagues, in this case fellow elves,
1: Here we are, spying on people, spying on spies,
0: she giggled. The others nodded and grinned, trying not to giggle themselves and give their position away. Sophia and her small troops, Tommy, Princess Riley, watched the hunter, Princess Avery and two spies and soldiers enter Wilhay on their carpets and by foot. The hunter and Princess Avery were on foot and were followed by the spies and warriors of Birchwood. The hunter had not been returned his bow. The captain carried it himself, loaded with an arrow. He had promised that if a trap was planned, then the hunter would be the first to get shot. Of course, this would only happen if the captain was not shot beforehand. As they watched, they saw a woman come from the village and walk up to the hunter. He opened his arms and she opened hers, and although Princess Riley and Tommy could hear them talking to one another, they could not catch the words. They crept closer, staying close to the trees that edged the village, and the elves followed. Soon they could hear what was being said. The woman was the hunter's mother and was welcoming them to the village. Some other people came out. Tommy and Riley gathered that Avery and the hunter and the captain were to be put up at the inn and the rest would be found billets, homes to stay in. Then the group turned down a street and were lost from sight. Tommy looked at Princess Riley and raised his eyebrows. What should we do? Go into the village? It's not big and I'm not sure of places to hide. A voice behind them nearly made Tommy scream in surprise. Both he and Riley physically jumped in the air, although they were lying down in the damp grass.
1: ''We could go in and find out what's happening,''
0: said Sophia. ''Oh, good grief,'' said the princess, catching her breath.
1: ''Who are you?'' ''I'm Sophia. Michaelmas told us where you were and sent us to help if we could.''
0: Tommy's eyes were still wide in shock. ''Well,'' he said, ''you can start helping by not sneaking up on us like that. I nearly had a heart attack.'' or at least nearly lost my breakfast. Not that it was much of one. Are you all right, Miss Riley? I'm fine, said the princess. It's nice to meet you. Did Michaelmas and marstanhope hope? Did they find the, uh... Princess Riley didn't want to speak the words out loud.
1: Yes, they did, said Sophia. They're all heading this way. There are too many others about, if you get my drift,
0: said the elf. It seemed she too did not want to speak too much. It
1: was funny, she continued. To watch you, watching them... She nodded to the village. "'You should have seen yourself when I spoke. You must have come off the ground at least six inches. Very impressive from her lying position.'
0: Sophie giggled, as did the other elves. "'Was there anyone watching you?' said Private Stanhope. "'When you were watching us?' He was still annoyed at the elves. "'Good point,' said Princess Riley. "'Was there?' "'No,' said one of the other elves.
1: "'I was watching out. No one else is heading this way, other than the others. "'Let's go in, us elves, and see what's happening.' Yes, you stay here, we will bring you a proper breakfast too, said Sophia, and faster than you can tie
0: one shoelace, they had vanished into the village. Well, there's a plan, said Stanhope. Indeed, said Princess Riley, smiling at Tommy. He was beginning to blush when he heard the call of a raven, and Jonesy landed next to them. Chapter 35 Catching Up on the News "'Jonesy began cawing at Tommy Stanhope, but Tommy kept shaking his head. "'I don't understand you.' "'Try,' said Riley. "'Avery would be able to help if she were here. "'I know she would. "'Look,' said the princess. "'You are the son of a witch, am I right?' "'I'm not sure I like being called that, but yes. "'She knows magic, and it appears she can turn herself into a chicken. "'What's your point, Miss Riley?' "'You must have some of her skills,' she looked into Tommy's eyes. Well, I know I can't turn into a chicken, said Tommy. At that, Jonesy cawed in such a way the private was sure the bird was laughing at him. Shut it, you. You're not helping. Listen to me, said Riley. Close your eyes, empty your mind of all the knots and can'ts, and pretend you can understand, Jonesy. Easy to say. Why don't you have a go, said Tommy, whining. But he closed his eyes and tried to empty any thoughts that came to him. It was a lot harder than he thought it would be. It was like sheep running through his head. As soon as one thought had gone, another appeared. Slowly they became fewer and further apart, and the coring of Jonesy began to make sense. Then, once Jonesy was sure Tommy had it all, Stanhope told the princess of what the raven had seen and heard, and that Micklemas was planning on heading down to Willow Falls. Can you fly back and tell Micklemas about all this? asked Princess Riley. She told Jonesy what she knew about their other party and the creatures. Tell him he should head here as quickly as possible, we may need help. She lay a soft hand on the bird, who tipped his head and seemed to sigh. The bird ruffled itself and flew off again, the wonderful messenger of Michaelmas. If anyone could save this war, thought the princess, it would be Jonesy. But no one was sure which side the hunter was on. Chapter 36, Preparing for Battle It's been quite a while since the King and Queen of Lindyline have been mentioned. I feel some shame in that, as they have been working hard at trying to contact the King of Birchwood to ask for some reason for the attack, so the issue could be resolved without any bloodshed. But of course we know that King Boris and Prince Harold have no intention of talking, because what they really want is Lindyline for themselves, or for Prince Harold. The King and Queen of Lindyline have been ensuring that their subjects, some might say citizens, that they will be safe if war does break out. They have also been sending out their own spies. They have a good many working all over both kingdoms. Sadly, it seems as if the country will have to go to war. When the prisoners were brought into the city, they were placed in the dungeons of the castle. The King and Queen asked and pleaded with Harold to call off the war. But he refused. With sadness in their hearts, the King and Queen of Lindyline talked to their generals, majors, brigadiers, colonels and captains and worked out a strategy, some might say plan. Once the plan was hatched, the captains passed information on to the lieutenants, ensigns and privates. The rulers of Lindyline had a great advantage. They knew exactly where their enemy were. They even knew what the enemy knew. Soon, to great joy, they got word of their daughters, the magical creatures and the hunter, Michaelmas Private Tommy Stanhope of the City Guard, and Mar Stanhope. The small army of Lindyline was ready. Some were professional soldiers, but many were volunteers willing to serve for their kingdom. There were also the troops from the southern borders in Cardan, but they only numbered a few. Add that to the magical creatures of Lindyline, and you still have a small army. Half of the troops stayed in the city to defend the walls. The other half made their way into the central forest. They were deployed along the western bank of Falls River, which went through the middle of the forest. They built cover so the troops could not be seen. A small handful then joined a group of soldiers on the north plain. Some of them made fortifications dug into the ground on the western side of the forest road. Riders were sent to ask one more time if Birchwood would give up their quest. The rest waited. Chapter 37. Boris Receives a Plea King Boris had his troops lined up and ready to march. General Poe was at the head of the troops with cavalry, and cavalryman Engels had joined his brother cavalryman Engels in Unit 6 under Captain Williams. Captain Williams had the two brothers check the supply wagons and the forge. The forge was built into the cart with a large bed of flat stone to stop the cart from catching fire. This was pulled by four oxen. Some new recruits wondered why a forge had been brought to battle but they were quickly informed that if shields were broken or swords needed repairing they would need the work of a smith and his forge to do it. Williams checked the chuck wagon where the chef was already making coffee a cup of which Williams drank on his rounds. Captain Williams checked the two cannon and reported to the general that they were ready. They were about to march north along Forest Road when a shout came out from a lookout guard. Three horses were approaching and the riders were waving the white flag. One rider rode in front of the other two and she bowed before King Boris. "'We have come from the King and Queen of Lindyline,' said the leader of the riders." Did you come far? snorted King Boris, but no one laughed at what he thought was a wonderful little joke. And what of this little visit of yours? said King Boris. We've come to talk about peace. Will you hear us? I hear you already. The King laughed and looked around, and only saw a few polite smiles. The King frowned. As you must already know, Lindyline has His Royal Highness Prince Harold captive, if you leave Lindyline in peace and withdraw all your troops, we will surrender not only the Royal Highness, but also your men. I hear you, but what if I say I cannot, that I will battle on, in, on this war and rescue my brother and his men and take Lindyline for my own? Your esteemed Majesty, said the leader, bowing from a horse, we will take your message and present it to our Majesties, the King and Queen of Lindyline, and with that... The leader swung a horse about slowly and nodded to her fellow riders. They too swung their horses around. "'Your Majesty,' whispered General Poe, "'do you think it wise to let them take this message?' "'They may kill your brother.' "'Oh, they will not. They're too peaceable,' replied King Boris. "'You say that as if it's a bad thing,' returned the General. "'And besides, we will ride hard on the tail of those messages,' and first take the Lindy Lyon army, if one can call it that. Then we will exchange our prisoners for theirs, and then take the kingdom of Lindy Lyon for Prince Harold. The king smiled, but General Poe gently shook his head. Prepare to march, shouted Poe, and without much ado, they set off. Not so long ago, said King Boris at some length, I could have guided you on the routes through the forests of Lindyline as well as the youngest of your sons, General. But after the fall, I seem to have forgotten the ways of the forest. This one, of course. I know the way around my own, like the back of my hand. Well, of course, Your Majesty, said General Poe, looking at the young king's white hair. Chapter 38. Receiving Word The king and queen had received word that their daughters were in Wilhay. Word had arrived from the folk but they were still uncertain if their girls were safe. The majesties of the land of Lindyline for now had to be content with this news. The king had words with his general, General Esther Witherspoon. Witherspoon had been with the army since she had turned 18 years of age as a private and had proved such a strong tactician, some might say planner, that she had risen in the ranks to general. She had served the king's father before him, Riley and Avery's grandfather, King Taig. It's a funny name to pronounce, some say say properly, so I will help you. Taig is pronounced Tay with a hard G on the end. Try it. Taig. It means strong, clear-headed, very wise and good for hugs. At least Riley and Avery thought it meant that bit about the hugs. Witherspoon had been a favourite officer of King Taig. Witherspoon discussed plans with the King and Queen of Lindyline and put the plans into action. For an elderly woman, she was fierce and strong. Inside the inn at Wilhay, the Birchwood spies and soldiers, the hunter and Princess Avery, sat around a large table eating a hot and welcome full breakfast. There was a huge plate of mashed potatoes with garlic. On everyone's plate, eggs sat on toast made from fresh baked bread. Butter soaked into the bread and the smell was divine, some might say heavenly. There was another plate people were helping themselves from, with bacon and sausage, another plate with baked fish. Avery looked up when the baker came in, carrying a large bag of muffins and bagels. As he entered, he stamped his feet and dirt and damp flew from his boots. As the baker entered the inn, he said good morning to everyone. His only reply was a series of nods. Avery felt uncomfortable with the silence. She felt alone and a little frightened. It was like a dream, with the only sound was that of people eating and drinking. It had been a cold night, and there had been little in the way of food. Avery saw something move. It wasn't the baker emptying the bag of contents onto a large wooden plate, but something outside looking in through the window, she thought. Whatever had caught her quarter eye wasn't there when she looked. The fire crackled nearby and the warmth of it was making her sleepy. Maybe I'm just tired, she thought. But there it was again, or wasn't. Something had moved by the window, she was sure of it. Avery looked around the table to see if anyone else had noticed. But everyone was too busy eating. The hunter looked at her and Avery dropped her head and took another bite of eggs and toast. The innkeeper, Emma, entered the room and walked over to Avery, carrying a bottle containing a dark sauce. "'Try this, love,' she said. "'The hunter had told his family and friends in Wilhay, "'before Jonesy had heard the conversation hiding next to the chimney, "'that they should pretend Princess Avery were not a princess, "'but a regular girl they had with them. "'It's a little spicy, but it makes the eggs taste even better. "'It comes from a country far from here where the spices grow in abundance. "'Try it if you like.' "'Thank you,' said Avery quietly. "'Emma took the bottle.' turning it upside down over the princess's plate and slapped the neck until a small amount fell from the bottle. Tell me if you like it and I'll give you more. Emma smiled and curtsied and almost forgot not to address the princess as your highness. Avery looked from Emma to the hunter. He had introduced her to everyone as his baby's sister. Avery had not liked that and kicked him. He had simply laughed and said, See? He had announced that they had met the soldiers and were travelling together for safety, which in a way was true. Avery felt there was something going on that she could not quite put her finger on. Princess Avery cut some egg and put it on the toast, and dipped that in the sauce and tried it. It tasted good, and Avery smiled. I don't normally like spicy food, but this does make the eggs taste splendid, thank you. Emma placed more on the plate before leaving the bottle on the table. Avery watched the hunter's eyes follow Emma from the room to the kitchen. He reached over and took some of the sauce himself in great quantities and ate it with relish. He smiled at Princess Avery. ''It's good, isn't it?'' he said. The hunter reached up suddenly and grabbed his throat, his mouth opening and closing. Choking sounds came from him and the soldiers jumped up from their seats as he went cross-eyed. Avery looked at the plate in front of her and back at the hunter, who was falling onto the ground. Then he stopped and suddenly burst out laughing. ''What's wrong with everyone, so quiet and so serious?'' He slapped the captain on his back as the officer sheathed his sword. ''Not funny,'' said the captain, but the soldiers began to smile and the spies nudged each other. ''We'll have to remember that one,'' said the one. ''We will, won't we?'' said the other. The hunter looked at the captain. ''Well, you never know who the enemy is, right, Captain?'' "'I should have had one of the others to test it first. "'Maybe those spies.' "'At that,' the captain laughed. "'Conversation then began at the table, "'and the sense of weariness, "'some say feeling tired, and hunger left. "'When Frank and Emma returned to the room, "'everyone seemed in high spirits. "'The captain began asking Frank, Emma's husband, "'about getting supplies, "'enough to reach South Cardin in Birchwood. "'Not going to the city, then?' asked Frank. "'Do you need to be heading west?' Or could you go to the city, and then stock up there again there? You'll be less to carry. Might be cheaper too, he said. Food in the country at the end of winter is pretty scarce and expensive. True, true, said the captain, who wondered if word really had reached will Hay yet about the war that was beginning. But we are heading west into South Cardin, and I believe the hunter here and his sister will be joining us. So make sure there's plenty, for that man eats enough for three, he laughed. Emma and Frank also laughed, but not as wholeheartedly as the captain. Avery watched this exchange and studied the hunter more closely. He kept looking at the innkeepers, and there was a small smile on his face. Was he making a plan, she thought, with the innkeepers? Avery was distracted again by whatever it was at the window, yet there was nothing there when she turned to look properly. Avery excused herself and rose. She turned to Emma and asked, Where is the... uh, She had never had to ask where the toilet was before. In the past, when the royal family had arrived somewhere, they were always told where the toilets were. Not that she really needed it. Emma jumped in right away. Follow me, said the innkeeper, taking Avery by the hand. When the captain went to move, the hunter put his hand on his arm and shook his head. As soon as Emma and Avery walked out of the dining room and down a narrow hall, the princess asked... "'Do you know the hunter?' "'Whatever makes you think that, young lady,' said Emma. "'But the way in which she spoke told Avery as clear as if Emma had said it herself "'that the innkeeper did indeed know the hunter. "'The two stepped through a door to the outside. "'Oh, nothing. I thought you looked similar.' "'Avery looked around and wondered why they had gone outside. "'And there ends Episode Eight. "'Come back soon!' For the next instalment of Lindy Line.